0: Welcome to Michael's Entrepreneur and Leadership Podcast. My name is Michael Thiemann, and in this season two of this podcast, I will talk to global entrepreneurs, business experts, and thought leaders about all topics which are related to build and grow a sustainable business. I think that you, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as a solopreneur, or someone who has an interest in trends, innovation and business models, will receive valuable ideas, experiences, waterproof tips and practical advice on how you can build up your business, scale it and make it sustainably successful. Got feedback? I'd love to hear what you think about my content. Just drop an email to podcast at createfuture.today with Entrepreneur and Leadership podcast as the subject line and share your thoughts. Feel free to recommend this podcast to your colleagues, friends and family. Thank you. Hello, hello, welcome to a new episode of my podcast, the Entrepreneur and Leadership live podcast. And today, we have a big topic, what is called doing your job versus being successful. And normally in this podcast, I'm talking to global leaders, experts, entrepreneurs about success keys, hacks, tricks to build and grow your business. And to do it today, I'm so proud, really proud to have Steve uh, Stepp on the show. And Steve Stepp is a certified business coach and a licensed professional counselor. For the last two or even over two decades, Steve coached professionally focusing primarily on senior leader effectiveness. And he holds a doctorate in workplace, leadership ethics, as well master degree in both counseling and biblical studies. And he's focusing on some of the crippled gaps. Which Steve has repeatedly encountered he has developed several highly effective online workshops he will probably talk about uh, in more detail today as well for training specific coaching skills he's successfully providing his clients with the results that's the most important thing results as you can see by a few legacy relationships which are ongoing uh, for a duration of over 20 years i think that's very very impressive and um, He's creating alignment around organizational core values, improving corporate culture, effectively managing growth and developing leadership capabilities within companies. Last but not least, Steve helps executives and senior leaders really build high performing teams, and that's his his motto and vision, without spending hours in team meetings. And i love to welcome uh, Steve here now live. Hello, Steve good morning how are you good day how are you thank you i'm so proud having you here on the show did i summarize your bio correctly you probably want well, something you, you
1: did and that's a lot a lot to live up to now so yeah uh you did thank you yeah and wow. today's
0: topic is i think it's an interesting topic. um doing your job versus sorry for the german pronunciation versus the uh being successful there are lots of question marks in my, in
1: my head already. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I, uh, I, our research on this, Michael, has indicated that, that the average job description will have about 13 different items, uh, responsibilities for, for any particular job. But only the, on the average job description. At the most, three of those have a metric by which performance is measured. And then our research goes on to show that almost 80% of terminations are for job failures that are not covered in those three metrics. So it's not unusual at all that we'll have someone in the workplace that feels like they're doing a good job. They, they feel like they're doing their job and checking the boxes every day. And they either end up getting a bad review Or they end up in their boss's or supervisor's office for a meeting, or they end up getting terminated because they failed in their job. Where all that time they thought they were being successful.
0: Yeah, but that that means the lack of feedback cycles, I guess. And the C executive is more tough, definitely, because you if your supervisory board meetings every don't know three months or monthly, I I, I even don't know, and. um, they're
1: more difficult for C executives, I guess. Uh, absolutely. Well, Manager Tools tells us that, that uh, 85% of the time uh, we don't receive feedback until somebody's in trouble already. So, uh, so that means on that day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis, you could be doing you're working all the time and failing and nobody says anything about it until the situation becomes critical. So we we don't we tend not to lead or manage for for a performance. We manage for C performance, and then when we get unhappy with C performance, we go to do something about it. But it's it's too late at that point.
0: This, 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 uh, yeah, the, the point of no return means you have really right. Yeah, right. need metrics, exactly. as you mentioned, which are helpful and indicating quite quickly, very adaptive where the, the problem zone is, where you have to improve, that this, this learn-improve cycle could start.
1: Right, right. The, the vast, vast majority of people that we work with they want to be successful in their job. We, we work with anything from middle managers to executive team. Most of the time, I'm working with executive team, but, but a couple of the coaches that work with me are working with middle managers and senior managers. And there are areas of their job where they don't have a clear metric for what success is. Oh. So uh, we're, we're being measured all the time you know, in our performance. We are being gauged in our performance all the time. We just don't always know how we're being measured or gauged. So we are working with senior leaders to help them clearly identify a metric for every area in which their direct reports are being measured or gauged or evaluated. And that way, that direct report always knows where they stand. They will never have to come into a meeting and be surprised by the subject of the meeting because they always know how they are being measured. Uh-huh. And that's that's unique. It doesn't happen very often.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. And could you give an example of those metrics? because? Um, I'm using OKRs for myself and as well for my clients. And um, OKRs, so just putting an objective is challenging, then you need a key result which is measurable, at least that you know that you're getting closer to your big object, ob- objective. But on a C-level um, executive, what kind of metrics do you have in mind there? that could help?
1: Well, what, one of the lines that is always on uh, job description is to uh, uh, be a, you know be a strong leader you know lead your people uh, uh, encourage you or things like that and and then how do you tell whether somebody is or not so uh, then they get called into a meeting at some point and they want to talk about your leadership skills and they tell you well you're you're not leading your people you know you're not doing a good job in leadership well. What about engagement scores? So if you did engagement surveys and you are responsible for maintaining a uh, 90% or plus on engagement survey, is there 80%? You you pick the number. Mm -hmm. Then the engagement survey is what identifies whether the person is leading adequately or not. Not some arbitrary measure by the executive or by the senior vice president. So what our our hope, Michael, is to eliminate eliminate arbitrary measures. Um, and for, as far as leadership or soft skills are concerned, it's difficult to identify those metrics, but but they're there. And What we have found critical in identifying the metric is when you look at a job description and you tell someone uh, a line there of something you're holding them responsible for, always ask the question, what are you really trying to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Too often, the job description is telling them what they want them to do, not what they want them to accomplish. So when we can finally identify what what we're trying to accomplish, then we could find a measure of whether they're doing that or not. Does that, does that help? Does that make sense?
0: It makes absolutely sense because um, I'm coming from the client perspective, means the client is not interested in the product itself. He's interested in the result. He's hoping to get out of using this product. The same is as a leader. The result is the company should work. You should have more profits, whatever. That's kind of measurable things. And this quality issues, um, engagement, I think, as a leader, you lead. You coach people and they should be happy in asterisks. Not happy because uh, it's only fun. Because Happy because you're achieving something together. And those... Results has to be smart, There must be um, um, uh, measurable, as, at least. And there must be the time set to, to measure those results you want to achieve. And that makes absolutely sense, what you said
1: there. Right. Um, so so on, a, on a lower level, move down, the, uh, move down the org chart a little bit. And let's say that you have a business that has uh, uh, location managers. You look at the job description for these location managers. And they're responsible for, con- for conducting safety meetings on a weekly basis. They're responsible for doing uh, walk arounds in the business or in the yard, the plant, whatever it is, for safety state. Mm-hmm. And, and on the job description, which sometimes job descriptions will run two or even three pages, on the job description, it may have four or five things there relative to safety. And what we've identified is, They're using a job description to tell the person how to do the job where all they're really trying to accomplish with all those four or five safety related items is to have zero reportable incidents. That's success is zero reportable incidents. So when I ask the manager, why are they doing these safety meetings? Well, it's so that this. Well, why are they doing these walk-ups? Well, so that that. So then I'll ask the question: Well, if they have zero reportable incidents, do you care whether they do the meetings or not? exactly. Well, right, right. Yeah. And and a lot of times their answer will be yes because that's the way it's done. You know. Well, <laughs> then then you're just you know then you're just building robots. Then you're, you're just telling them how to do the job. If the guy can do. it, And have zero recordable incidents. Do you care? And eventually the answer is no. Well, then the success is zero recordable incidents. It's not doing these various meetings and things. That, that, That might help.
0: I, I Steve, I agree completely looking back. Most of the job description, they are, they're nonsense because they're only saying right. how. And there's a good saying from Steve Jobs. I don't employ smart people to tell them what they and how they're doing things. I, they have exactly. to achieve a result we want to do together. And, uh, Right and uh and most of the job description right. and they're dreadful really really dreadful there's no really achievable right. goal objective there's only you have to work 40 hours a week and in, in most smart jobs you can't be creative for 40 hours you're probably only two hours creative in, in the week and you do the full job in two hours right
1: right right, right. Yeah, I worked with a uh, working with a CLO right now, and some of his people, a, a chief operations officer and and his VP of operations. One of the one of the uh, items on his job description was, uh, uh, I think, provide excellence in service with timely delivery of goods and best in market lead times. Well, that that's fine, but. The the VP of operations, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the uh, director of operations may think he's doing that, but he doesn't know how he's being measured. Yeah. And he's responsible for doing these Six Sigma meetings. He's responsible for doing these Kaizen meetings. And so finally, we identified maintain 98% on-time shipment rate. Yep. And... The question again is: If you maintain ninety-eight percent on-time shipment rate, with a uh, cost of poor quality metric of three percent of sales or less, do you care whether he does Six Sigma? Well, that, you know. To be to be clear, I'm all for Six Sigma. Don't don't misunderstand that. That's fine, but that's not really the job of Six Sigma. His job is. Keep cost of poor quality (COPQ). Keep that three percent or less, okay. and maintain a ninety-eight percent shipment rate. And that had never been identified for this uh, director of operations. So mm-hmm. he's doing all these things in order to be successful.
0: But, it's not but he if he misses yeah, this,
1: yeah. right? If he if he misses this number that had not yet been identified, then he's going to lose his job.
0: Yeah,
1: and. Yeah, so it's just it's upside down. It's managing behaviors instead of managing output. I want you to manage output. What are you trying to accomplish?
0: Actually, I think the way you have to be, You have to be result oriented And if you have if you have an objective, um, you should be able to influence the outcome if you have no influence right. on the outcome then draws a vexes there as well useless because you don't identify it with, with them yep. yeah they have no buy-in and there's are so important points you have there they are, um, they are um, applicable really worldwide most of the companies have the same issue the same problem and right. they are using old management tools they are tr- still trying to mimic a uh, machine right. with a company instead of having flexible adaptive Cross-functional organization, organization, call it agile organization, uh, and it's, it's it's very complex. The whole the whole whole issue. Yeah,
1: yeah. One no. of one of the other things that we identified, Michael, was that there will be lines on job descriptions for which the individual does not have complete control.
0: Exactly.
1: Uh, we we have a director of innovation that was charged with uh developing new products that result in a half a million dollars annual sales Mm -hmm. well he could develop you know he he could develop anything but if the salespeople don't sell it then he's not going to have that half a million so he doesn't have control over the half million dollars in sales he only has control over the developed new product so they have to find a different measure for that uh, director of innovation because the measure that they're using is tied to sales, it's not tied to innovation.
0: Yes, and as I think you have a complex thing, especially innovation. You have to do the um, right thing, what people are interested in, your car, car customers. You have in a good quality, in the right, right quality and at the right time, the time to market. Right. And that's probably the thing you are responsible as a director of innovation means you have you need to to be measured as well, a bit on the return on innovation. And only painting a blue fridge red is not really big innovation. And where most companies are so disappointed because they don't see high return on innovation because they don't do innovation. They're doing just incremental improvements, if you like. Huh?
1: Right, right, yeah. right. Exactly, exactly. So we've had a lot of fun with this, and we've found. We have had a couple of our legacy companies comment that this is probably the, uh, the greatest uh, high-performance opportunity that they have ever identified. Because now they have managers and leaders that are not working for uh, to make sure their people are working hard and, and doing all these things. They have managers and leaders that are focused on uh, outcomes as opposed to process. And that's what real leadership is about anyway. It's it's not about process, it's about outcome. The
0: the client,
1: it doesn't matter, internal or external, he doesn't care about how the process with
0: the company looks like. He just wants to get the result. He's not even interested in the product. If you buy a driller, I like this example, if you buy a driller, you're not really interested in the driller, you want a hole in the wall, in the wood, in the timber, wherever, and you don't care if the result is done by laser, by explosive, or a
1: driller. Right. That's yeah? exactly right. And, and yeah, too often, we just haven't taken the time to... It's easier to identify... These would all be leading indicators, by the way. It's easier to identify the leading indicators than it is sometimes to identify exactly what outcome you're looking for.
0: Exactly, that's Steve. I think what makes the job to be done has to be really the the job, which is getting you closer to the result you want to achieve. Yeah,
1: uh, right. That's right. defining
0: right. the job to be done.
1: Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we, like I said, we've had a lot of fun with this. This is uh, working on it. We've got, by the way, I mentioned to you earlier, previous meeting. Uh, we have some training on this coming out for coaches that uh, will be out probably within the next 30 days it'll be live mm-hmm. so there'll be online uh, training available for coaches for building success profiles because it's it's a uh, it's a difficult process because it's so uh, unused uh, in the workplace so mm-hmm. stay tuned for that that'll be about it.
0: Yeah, and uh, probably the people who are just listening to today's or watching today's podcast, they have any anyway, chance to go to your webpage. Your webpage probably just gives that information on the voice track, and I will put it anyway then afterwards under, under the um, uh,
1: the you. video. Thank you. Thank you. I think they'll find that a great value because that, that has been the, uh, that is the one coaching program that we've used that I will say for the last five years, I have clients asking us, can we do this? Because they've heard about it from some of our other clients. We have a small organization here. And interestingly enough, most of our clients know each other. So uh, so we've had the opportunity to grow this program organically from one client telling another client about it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: And um, if, if, you, if you describe the, the approach of your company a little bit in some, some words, how, how would you do that? You, you're doing then on a consulting basis. You're just doing workshops with them. Now, how do you help your clients?
1: Yeah, we do primarily, we do some workshops, but, but I'm an adamant believer. One of our proverbs is that, is that workshops and classes do not change behavior. You know, So behavior behavior happens over time, and it happens with identifying an effective skill and doing it over and over and over and over until it becomes natural to you. So uh, while we will do workshops, uh, I've got one coming up next week on this, on the success profiles. Most of our work is the coaching yeah. with uh, senior leaders. And then for a couple of our companies, we serve... With their executive team, we serve as an advisor to their executive team on uh, strategic uh, effectiveness planning. You know, we don't pretend—I don't certainly don't pretend, Michael—to be an expert in the business that my clients are in. But I believe we are experts in effectiveness and our personal effectiveness—that is, individual effectiveness and helping companies identify, do I have the right team to accomplish what we are hoping to accomplish? And if not, can I uh, improve my team by improving some of their skills or behaviors? Mm-hmm. Uh, can, should I add to my team? Or unfortunately, should I replace someone on my team? But, but we are we're all about uh, individual and team effectiveness.
0: Yeah, and if it, because I, I'm quite young, it means I'm nearly, nearly, nearly sixty. Yeah, it means we are both looking back cool. on a on a very long experience. Yeah. We had been self, ourselves, on a sea level executive uh, position at one at one point in time, and we all know exactly what yeah. we're talking about. Uh, I don't know every every business other are are other are running, but uh, we both need the roadmap to get more successful. Right. And uh, right, right, and, and if, you know, stood, if I understood you correctly, you have most of these three things. You can do the the explanatory videos or information right. you have. You do it with a client as as a coach. You're helping. You're you leading. Yes. You're taking by the hand, but you don't do it for them.
1: Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Uh, we do not do it for them because you know, at, at, for the, the pure consultant role where you mm-hmm. do it for them, the problem with that from my perspective, for not, from what I hope to accomplish is when we leave, they don't know how to do it they, or they have not built the skill to do it. So we may have solved an immediate problem, but we haven't improved the organization. And my job, my role, my uh, quest in life is to help individuals become more effective Mm -hmm. and as the individual becomes more effective then the organization is more effective.
0: Exactly, because business is about relations, about people, it's not about things, not about processes and every person in a company has to work effectively because efficiency is not always the, the, the thing. Because if you're doing something efficiently wrong,
1: you have the wrong effect, it, yeah, I mean, so. it, Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we we're too, we're too often are, are focused on efficiency instead of effectiveness. And so if you're putting out a fire, Michael, you need to be efficient. You need to get it done right now. If you're building a long-term mission, then you need to be as effective as you can possibly be. Yeah, exactly. And that requires skill building. Exactly.
0: Efficient. You have to do the right thing right on the right time. Uh, Exactly. And the same is internally, uh, you have to optimize the value stream you're creating in with regard to the result Yeah. for the client internal or or external client.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. so that's what we do. We've been doing it uh, this way for about 20 years or so. And as you mentioned earlier, we've had great success. We were blessed with uh, long term relationships. Uh, an, an interesting thing on our client base right now is every client that we have, with the exception of one, and again, we're a small organization, but every client that we have, with the exception of one, uh, has been with us for 10 years or longer, wow. or their CEO is from one of the companies that has been with us 10 years or longer. Wow. So an that's, individual has left the legacy company. They've gone to be CEO of a new company and they've hired us to work with them there. So we're we're very blessed in our and our client base. You know? No, uh, we've got congrats, long. Congratulations, so.
0: that's, I think the best testimonial you can have yeah? if a client is lasting or is with you over that yes. time stretch, yeah? well, especially in the online business. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, that's our belief, and we're very blessed with that. We're, we're proud of that, and, and it's very comfortable because I, I may be talking with new people within the company, within an organization. I've got a new client from Ohio, but the CEO I've known for years, and I've worked with him at previous companies. So that always helps because you're coming in with some amount of credibility, and there, uh, the new client, the new executive, or the new senior leader. Uh, it is hearing their CEO say if you work with this team you will be more effective yeah. so that that helps a lot on, on our ability to succeed with
0: regard to your clients are they globally or you're more
1: focused in northern America or we most of our focus obviously is North America although I do have two clients that are global so we have um, coaching clients in uh, Chile, Mexico, and mm-hmm. Poland, uh, mm-hmm. Canada. Uh, let me think. I think that's about it right now. Poland, Chile, and Mexico. So yeah, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, I am English speaking only, and uh, the the three uh, fellows that work with me as coaches, we're all English speaking. But uh, for for all of our clients, even in in Chile and Mexico. Uh, you know, that's the way it's been working there. We've had again, we've had great success.
0: I think English is anyway the, the sorry sure, for that yeah. the smallest common denominator. It, it, means, uh, the the language so is suffering, language of, yeah. suffering dramatically yeah. because Ram is trying to speak uh, English like me. Yeah. But um, we, we can talk. Yeah, that's the yeah, the, yeah. the basic. It,
1: yeah, it's the language of business these days. So exactly exactly um
0: in yeah. terms of and just and, and bringing in your your linkedin profile so let's see if i can manage that um people can oh, find you on linkedin you. on twitter yeah are, Steve, there you're quite active i would say
1: huh? we stay pretty active on linkedin and twitter we're actually in the process this week as we speak of uh, boosting our activity on linkedin because of the new coach training workshop that we're coming up with but um, I think our profiles on LinkedIn and Twitter are pretty up to date and we do stay pretty active there. Thanks for, thanks for popping that up. I can pull it once again, and you talk a little bit about, do you do online coaching
0: as well? I mean, so because you have clients in Mexico and Poland, I, I guess you don't travel all the time, especially with the pandemic, you do it online, I guess.
1: That, that's interesting because um, up until two years ago, I traveled personally probably three times a month. Uh, Now I travel about once a month, and ninety-five percent of our coaching is on Zoom or on Teams. Uh Um, And and Michael, I I won't you know no one is going to tell you that that's just as effective as as sitting in an office, but it's a it's a real good second. You know, so the vast majority of our coaching is is by Zoom. Uh, you know, Zoom has become the meeting platform of the world over the last year and a half or so. Um, the workshop that we're rolling out is going to be all virtual, of course. Um, uh, I believe there are two or three live coaching packages. By, by live, I mean Zoom co- coaching, coaching opportunities packaged in with it, but, but it's an automated workshop. So that's just become the, the communication method of today. And, and all of our coaching, whether it's uh, Chile, I've been coaching an individual in Chile now for five years. I've never been to Chile. You know? I have met him here in the United States. Uh, here's one interesting, very quickly. My client in Mexico, we meet up face-to-face about once every six weeks, or we used to, pre-pandemic we would meet face-to-face in an airport somewhere because he traveled all the time, I traveled all the time. So we would just communicate and find out where we're we going to cross paths. And then we would meet in that airport and have dinner together and have some coaching time. And and uh, that was a lot of fun, bro well, I don't know whether we did that for effectiveness or for fun, but but we enjoyed doing that for a couple of years.
0: Yeah. I agree, man. With the pandemic, just to, 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 to finish that on that note, uh, the technique helps but in physical meeting you get much more information because people have body yeah. body language <coughs> and the whole poster gesture and it's something is missing on a especially in a two one-to-one meeting on zoom it's possible you have still more more visual and you see more how people are smiling or they're bored or whatever but right. in, a, in a big zoom meeting you don't know,
1: means you need other right. techniques but, to involve and engage them. Yeah, the large Zoom meetings are the large Zoom meetings, Michael, are effective for delivering information. Yeah. They just deliver information. But if you're trying to accomplish anything relationally, they're just very ineffective. You know? yeah. So uh, uh, as a counselor and psychologist, I, I'm, I'm very, very aware of the amount of communication through body language, as you, you sit there and watch me, you see my arms going all the time. Um, that just doesn't work as well in a Zoom meeting as it does live. So live is always going to be better. But then you still have to make sure that whoever you're live with, they are a receptive vessel. And the coach that you're working with is, is an effective coach. So... I've become more learned to be more effective over Zoom in the last couple of years than I was before out of necessity. So we're working on it. We're also, I will tell you, one of the things that we've done is we have significantly increased the amount of what I'll call homework that we require of our coaching clients. Since we're not doing uh, in-person meetings within an office space, we're requiring more homework so that we're sure the client is fully engaged in the work that we're doing.
0: You give them assignments to do. That's exactly the same what I'm doing as well. Because that way you get them more and more engaged. Uh, otherwise right, right. It's, it's, it's And probably for most people out there, coaching has nothing to do with the consumation of information. It's, right, right. It, it's the person who gets coached, the coachee, has to work. And the coach right. they have is only to helping
1: them. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, my job is to help them identify more effective behaviors. And then my job is to help them uh, integrate those behaviors in their day-to-day work. You know, and, and if if they can have even people, we use a lot of uh, stakeholder-based uh, coaching so that they have stakeholders within their organization that are holding them accountable for that new behavior. And it's very, very effective.
0: Probably the time is really flying and is passing by swiftly and we are 30 minutes already or 34 minutes. And just to, for, for, for you to, to, to finishing this, this podcast, what would be your three best advices you could, can give startups, the founders of startups, what they should really focus on to, to just, just not mingle up the job to be done with the success factors? And
1: yeah, what's the best three hacks you can give them? Yeah, I I think I'd say that's that's a great question. And I think that to go back to our being successful thing, startups invariably have identified uh, a particular uh, you know something they're trying to accomplish, and because they are subject matter experts, it is so easy for those startup people to identify how they want things done. So my advice to them again is don't worry so much about how you want it done. Focus like a laser on what are you trying to accomplish in every area of the organization or in every area of the job, even right down to core values, what are you trying to accomplish and then how will you know that that's being done or how will you know when that is accomplished when when you've got that identified then you're able to plug in the people that will accomplish that and the second piece that i would give you is hold those people accountable on a for every one of those success factors hold them accountable on a day-to-day basis And we tend to, let's go back to that job description, Michael. We tend to focus on those top two or three and let those others kind of languish. And I would tell you, you're setting yourself up for failure in doing that. Focus on every one of those success factors on a day-to-day basis. Now you're building a high-performance organization.
0: That's wonderful Steve. Thank, thank you very much. It was really fun talking to you about this, this very, yes. important,
1: very important, very important topics. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Bye.
0: Got feedback? I'd love to hear what you think about my content. Just drop an email to podcast at createfuture.today with Entrepreneur and Leadership Podcast as the subject line and share your thoughts. Feel free to recommend this podcast to your colleagues, friends and family. Thank you.